0: there we go now it's official so let's take a look at um, Luke chapter 17 and we're going to look at uh, verses 20 through 21 and I doubt if we're going to get any further than that but uh, if we do, woohoo so let's take a look at Luke chapter 17 uh, starting in verse 20 we read and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Lord God in heaven, we come now, Lord, to you, and we're thankful for the opportunity to gather around your word, even though it is uh, through this means. I pray, Father in heaven, for your blessing on this time as we look into your word. And Father, I want to ask that you would watch over all of us, uh, that you would um, move hearts to meet needs, and uh, just uh, help us to uh, always to stay faithful, uh, Father, to you and uh, to uh, your people. Lord God, uh, as we go through these times, I pray, Father, that these would be times of not only personal reflection, but also times, Lord God, uh, where we would come to appreciate uh, what we do have uh, in Christ and in the church. We thank you and we bless you in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke seventeen twenty, 20, it says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, Uh, he answered them and said the kingdom of God cometh not with observation neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of God is within you Uh, the disciples as well as the Pharisees apparently could sense uh, that something uh, was soon to transpire uh, perhaps it was the lord 's demeanor uh, sometimes you can tell you know just by somebody 's body language or you can see it in their face that there's you know there 's something going on. Uh, perhaps uh, it was something in his his the intensity of his teaching uh, what he was teaching on uh, those type of things uh, can sometimes uh, trigger in your mind that there's something very very important that 's about to happen. Uh, the Lord had already Warned of his betrayal and his uh, subsequent death to his disciples, Uh, but as yet this had not quite uh, sunk into their into their minds, into their hearts. they didn't like to hear about the lord talking in this way i mean who who really would i can remember when my mother was uh, sick very very sick with cancer and uh, we went down to see her and you know she was speaking of her uh, passing and you know it just just makes you feel very uncomfortable and so the disciples they they didn't want to hear about this they didn't like it when the lord uh, spoke about his upcoming betrayal and his death uh, the disciples certainly had great hopes uh, about the the possibilities that the lord 's uh, presence had had brought about uh, in fact later on in luke 's Gospel, as Jesus and his men were approaching Jerusalem, getting very close to Jerusalem, uh, this expectation of um, of uh something that grand that was going to happen uh, it was in uh, was intensified among those who who followed jesus and and the idea of the kingdom uh, would be uppermost in their minds and and like the Pharisees, they would also uh, begin to wonder man is is this the time when when the kingdom shall appear uh, in Luke nineteen verse eleven uh, and as they heard these things, Jesus was speaking. He added and spake a parable uh, because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Of course, we know that when Jesus did enter into Jerusalem, they, you know, they were shouting Hosanna because that's exactly what they thought uh, was going to uh, take place. So this was an assumption that was entertained by many of uh, Jesus' disciples, uh, the sudden glorious appearance of, of the kingdom and, and the Messiah. Now, Jesus never denied this about the kingdom, that is, the, the sudden appearance of the kingdom. In fact, in Luke seventeen twenty four, 24, uh, Jesus uh, likens this day with uh, that to lightning uh, streaking across the sky, that uh, when the king does arrive, it will be sudden, it will be very quick, just like a lightning flash. Uh, but what he did not say uh, was when all of this would happen he He never did say when all of this would happen uh, so with those who followed jesus there was this um, excited anticipation right there was this expectation among the, his disciples but among the pharisees i think there was a little bit different uh, attitude i think there was more of an attitude of frustrated antagonism uh, we read here again in luke 17:20. Uh, look, at the, look at the words that, that uh, Luke uses. He says that when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, uh, demanded of the Pharisees. These men knew their scriptures and they knew uh, that there was a prophesied a coming Messiah who would establish a kingdom. Uh, so the Pharisees may have also sensed that uh, something grand was soon to occur and so they naturally assumed that it had something to do with the kingdom uh, plus they were frustrated with this person Jesus uh, who was bringing about all this excitement all of this expectation from the people I mean he was, he was uh, causing quite a stir among the populace uh, this Jesus uh, had displayed powers as one of the old uh, prophets you know his, his words uh, rang with uh, truth even though <laughs> sometimes his words were biting and, and even condemning when directed at them But yet, uh, you know, he was so unconventional uh, in their estimation uh, that he just didn't quite match their presuppositions about the Messiah. Uh, So he was a frustration to them. And so these uh, religious leaders uh, demanded some answers. Uh, they, they demanded some answers. Uh, this, to me, uh, betrays their whole uh, demeanor on this issue. They were uh, demanding Jesus to give them an answer. Uh, you know, I look up the word uh, demanded in the Bible. And uh, there, are, there are those who are in positions of authority uh, who become accustomed to making demands upon other people. Uh, They're just accustomed to it. They they just make demands upon other people. And uh, what I discovered is that sometimes these demands are not always necessarily for the the right reasons. You know, they're they're not always necessarily for the right reasons. Uh, For instance, uh, the cruel taskmasters of Pharaoh uh, demanded of the children of Israel uh, what they could hardly deliver uh, because of the strict stipulations placed upon them in Exodus. Exodus chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, They demanded more bricks while providing less straw. I had a friend of mine who I uh, used to work with. uh, That was one of his sayings. Whenever the company expected us to do something uh, that uh, seemed uh, almost impossible to do, he would always say, well, more bricks, less straw. And, you know, that was a demand uh, placed upon us. Uh, King David, uh, he uh, demanded of Faithful Uriah uh, to give a report about the battlefield. Not that David was all that interested uh, in what was going on in the in the battlefield, uh, but he made this demand upon Uriah because um, Unfortunately, Uriah was made a part of David's uh, devious plan to to cover up his sin, and so uh, we, you know you read about that in Second Samuel chapter eleven. And David was definitely not in a good place at this time. And this demand of Uriah ultimately costs Uriah his life. So that's not a good thing. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar whom uh, history said was uh, quite a hothead. Uh, He demanded by threat of death of his wise men uh, to tell and interpret the dream that he had in Daniel chapter 2. And when his men could not produce what Nebuchadnezzar had demanded, right, well, he he was going to... he was going to destroy them and not only destroy them but he was also going to destroy Daniel and his companions so that's not a that's not a good demand and then one last example uh, there was uh, the wicked King Herod the Great who demanded of the Jewish scholars uh, where the Christ should be born uh, and of course uh, he pretended like he wanted to know where he was born uh, so that he could go honor him but we know that wasn't Herod's reason for his demands, was it? No, he wanted to find out where Jesus was born in order to destroy him. And, uh, and so instead of uh, destroying Jesus, what did this man end up doing? Yeah, he he destroyed a, a whole village, possibly a whole region uh, of small children, of small children. So again, there's that demand uh, that has a hidden, wicked uh, motive behind it. Uh, so the demand of these Pharisees, I believe, uh, may have been in the same vein. Uh, these powerful men uh, had uh, expectations, and uh, one of which I think is that they were to make Jesus accountable. Uh, can you imagine that? These men were trying to make Jesus accountable. Uh, they came to Jesus demanding uh, that he provide them with a date and when they could expect the kingdom to kick in that's what their demand was uh these men were not inquiring after the kingdom uh, like his disciples who were excited about the kingdom but rather these men uh were antagonistic uh, they were aggressive i believe these men were on the warpath uh jesus was to these men a, a great source of frustration and agitation and and they looked upon jesus as a threat in fact uh, when uh they delivered him to to Pilate uh to have him judged and condemned uh, Pilate knew why these men had delivered Jesus. He, you know, he, he was sharp enough to see that these men were envious of Jesus. So these men, uh, these men weren't uh, fans of Jesus. So this asking after the kingdom of God, I believe, fell in line with, with their other demands of, of wanting a sign. Uh, they wanted, they wanted him, Jesus, to prove to them that he was indeed the promised Messiah. And the best way, in their minds, at this time, for them to prove, for him to prove himself, was to bring about this kingdom. Uh, to bring about this kingdom. See, that's the problem uh, for these men. Uh, these men were were so busy uh, looking for signs uh, that they missed out on the kingdom. Long and short, that's that's what was going on. They were so preoccupied with looking for signs uh, that they missed out on the kingdom. You know, there are people today who, who, who live their lives like this. They're looking for proofs. Uh, they're looking for evidence. They're looking for some sign. I had a friend uh, years and years ago uh, to whom many of us were witnessing to. And uh, he was praying for a sign from God. Uh, He even told me that uh, he placed a pencil on his desktop. And he prayed to God that if God would just move the pencil just a few inches, uh, he would believe. He, he was always looking for proof, always looking for evidence. You know, we celebrate uh, this day, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, uh, a sign that Jesus himself said was the only one that these Pharisees uh, would get from him, would receive from him. But yet, did they did they believe that sign? No, they still refused to believe uh, this sign that Jesus was, was who he said he was. They even attempted to cover it up. They bribed the soldiers. They attempted to cover this this sign up. Um, this sign of Jesus' resurrection has yet to be dispro- disproved. Uh, that Jesus rose from the grave is is something that they have yet to prove did not happen. And yet people are still demanding a sign. Uh, there are many Christians who live their lives in this way. Uh, they're always looking for, for signs and for proofs and and for evidences and just... You know, the latest this and that. And I'm telling you, there are unscrupulous men who have cashed in on the gullibility of some of these uh, Christians, uh, providing them with a show, providing them with signs, sometimes very bizarre things. Uh, And yet people crave after this uh, because they desire to see some sort of evidence for them to believe. We have the evidence. It's written in a book right before us. All we need to do is believe it. All we need to do is believe it. You know, Jesus had before said to these men, he said to these men, "Uh, you hypocrites, he says, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? You know, they were looking for proof, they were looking for evidence, and Jesus was saying, I am providing that evidence. Uh, You know, one... Uh, loses discernment uh, when they no longer walk with God and they reject God's truth in favor of a, another truth uh, so when one's relationship with God is not right uh, then you lose, that, uh, to uh, you, learn, you lose that ability to discern you you lose that ability to discern what is right from wrong, what is truth from false um, if you don't believe that God has given to you all that you you need in his word uh, then you'll be able to you'll be unable to, to to discern between what is truth and what is false. Why? Because you've rejected the standard you don't choose to believe the standard that God has provided uh, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 says uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You see uh, the, the, the sad state of these men was that uh, they were unable to discern simply because they had no love for God. Uh, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John five forty two, he says, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. So they, they didn't have the love of God. They had the love of their religion. They had the love of their position, uh, but they didn't have the love of God in them. Uh, they were blind to the times. Uh, they failed to discern that the Messiah was among them. Je- uh, when um, the Jews were uh, uh, questioning the man born blind, and the man born blind was testifying to the fact that Jesus had cured him, and uh, this is what the this is what the Pharisees said uh, to this blind man. They said in John 9:29, they said, "We know that God speak unto Moses. As for this fellow speaking of Jesus, we know not from whence he is." You see, they were they were obstinate. They were blind. They refused to to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Essentially, these men had already uh, rejected Jesus in their hearts as the one who was foretold by the prophets and by their rejection of Jesus... So goes the kingdom. Uh, in fact, it was only just a few months here in Luke 17, it was just a few months later, uh, that uh, these men would manifest what was true in their heart uh, by their actions, and that they crucified Jesus. They rejected Jesus, and they crucified him. Uh, Jesus knew the hearts of these men, and and he knew that they were even then, at this time in Luke 17, even then they were plotting his destruction. Uh, So what these men uh, were demanding of Jesus, they would never see for themselves. They would never see for themselves. Uh, The word observation, getting back to our text, uh, the word observation, one man uh, described it as a physician or a doctor uh, observing or examining his patient, uh, looking for symptoms of a disease. That's one way you could look at it. Another fella described it this way: uh, like a commander uh, watching the opposing army on the battlefield uh, to to try to determine where their next attack uh, will strike on his line. So it's it's that's what the the wording is. So these these men were were demanding proof, right? And all the while, they were closing their eyes to the proofs provided to them. Uh, They were wanting proof. They were demanding proof. But yet they were closing eyes, their eyes to the proof uh, that uh, God was providing them. Uh, John the Baptist, he came preaching. uh, The kingdom was at hand. Uh, Jesus also came preaching Uh, the kingdom was at hand and and the Pharisees were well aware of this, they were very well aware of this, uh, as well as the people, the people also was very well aware of this uh, preaching of the kingdom, Uh, so much so uh, with the people that uh, they were uh, going to attempt to force Jesus to be king in John chapter 6 after he had uh, fed the 5,000 in the wilderness Um, these people who had been fed observed the king in action. Right? And so, but instead they wanted a king that would fill their bellies they didn't want a king that would heal their hearts because that's what they were all about that was their thinking as far as the kingdom was concerned it was a kingdom to fill their bellies and that's not what jesus came to present to them Uh, the pharisees and the priesthood uh, were antagonistic they they opposed jesus Uh, they had publicly rejected jesus time and time again Uh, they were even making claims that that he was a a blasphemous imposter who was attempting to create a false messianic uh, following for himself. In fact, they even claimed that Jesus was in league with uh, Beelzebub. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 12, 24 through 32. They thought Jesus was in league with the devil. As one man said that you know everything rises and falls on leadership, and due to the leadership's rejection of Jesus as the Messiah, uh, it became necessary for God to put the kingdom on hold and, and we know that because we've got the whole revelation of God uh, that that shows this uh, so God was was moved to to put the kingdom on hold, and uh, the kingdom would later would be offered again at some future time in Israel uh, when Israel would repent and believe uh, looking upon uh, me whom they have pierced, according to Zechariah 12:10, and that's what uh, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 11, when all of Israel shall be saved. Uh, so the nation at at, at that time uh, will repent, and they will look upon Jesus as their Savior and receive Him as such. But here they will not; uh, they won't do it uh, because of the religious leadership's uh, rejection of Christ then what they uh, so ardently looked for uh, would not come to pass uh, literally and physically for them at this time. Uh, that uh, would be reserved for a later time. That would be reserved for a later time. So they were, these men were demanding of Jesus uh, about when the kingdom should come. Now, in this demand, uh, I think there is the the implication of a challenge. in. That if uh, Jesus was who he claimed to be, uh, then prove this claim and bring about the kingdom without any further delay. I think this was kind of like a, what is that? A, a gauntlet, if you will, thrown uh, to Jesus. You know, prove yourself. If you if you're truly who you are, then then prove yourself to, without any further delay. Um, kind of you know kind of similar with uh, the people in John six sixteen uh, it says here in john six sixteen uh, when uh, when they would come and take him by force uh, to make him a king, right they were trying to force uh, Jesus to become a king. I think the same thing is true here uh, with these pharisees these these uh, self important men, perhaps they thought uh, they could um force jesus 's hand uh, they could intimidate Jesus into action uh, one way or another uh, maybe, you know i'm thinking that's what was going on with these with these men's demand and so um uh, i 'm sorry for the phone Call from Davis. <laughs> sorry about that guys Call from Davis. Where am I? So, the people in John 16 were trying to force Jesus' hand. I think these self-important Pharisees were also trying to uh, force uh, Jesus' hand. And Jesus' answer to them was this. He said to them, "Uh, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, uh, neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Um, You know, there had been uh, many who had risen up uh, making kingdom claims and trying to force uh, the kingdom into being Uh, this is something that uh, these particular men were well aware of Uh, there had been men in the past who have made these uh, claims to be someone and uh, so this might explain perhaps uh, you know some suspicion on their part as far as Jesus Jesus was concerned Um, but But they knew that there were men like this in their past. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, uh, 34-37, a noted teacher by the name of Gamaliel, uh, this is the same man who was uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, instructor in the the Jewish religion. Uh, Gamaliel, in Acts chapter 5, spoke of two men who attempted to be a, a messiah of sorts. And who were defeated and and destroyed. So it could be that this was what was part of what was going on. And what Jesus is saying to these uh, Pharisees is very similar, I think, to what uh, Jesus had said to his disciples uh, back in Luke chapter 10, 23 to 24. In Luke chapter 10, verse 23, and it says here and he and he turned him unto his disciples and said privately blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see for i tell you that many prophets and kings have desired desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them Uh, so what jesus is saying to these pharisees is stop looking here and stop looking there for the kingdom Uh, it's right here it's right here before your eyes to see Uh, the difference between uh, those in the past and jesus those men who claim to be uh, someone Right? Uh, the difference between those in the past who claimed and made these claims and Jesus is this. Jesus has provided the proofs of who He is. And as far as the kingdom, uh, that you are seeking, that you're, you know, that you're looking for, that you're demanding, it's right here before you. It's speaking to you. Uh, You're looking here and you're looking there for the kingdom of God. And it's standing right here before you in your midst. If only you would believe. If only you would believe, then the kingdom would be manifested. But there was the issue. There was the issue; uh, these men had rejected Jesus in their hearts as King, and therefore they failed to see the kingdom offered. Right? Uh, they rejected Jesus as King, and therefore they they failed to see that the kingdom offered hatred, prejudice, pride, envy, uh, uh, an attitude of sanctimonious self-righteousness, uh, just plain old. pig-headedness and other infirmities of the heart uh, will often uh, blind people to the truth, staring them straight in the face. And that's what was going on with these men the truth, the king, the kingdom, was staring them straight in the face and they refused to see it. They refused to see it. Uh, This was the fundamental issue with these men. They saw the miracles. Uh, They observed his good works. They heard his words. They saw all of this. They heard all of this. In fact, later on, the apostle Peter would remind them about this. Uh, After Jesus had been crucified crucified, buried, and rose again, and ascended into heaven. And Peter was preaching to the men. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, this is what Peter was preaching. He says, Ye men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. These were irrefutable proofs presented to these men. Verse 23 of Acts 2, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, There's that sign, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. You see, it wasn't the eyes of these men that was defective. Uh, They could see, they could observe. It wasn't their ears that was defective. They heard. They heard what Jesus had to say. They heard his words. So it wasn't the organs in their heads that were defective. It was the organ that was in their chest that was defective and it was that that sealed their fate. In Matthew 13:15, uh Jesus said of the of of these folks he says for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have Closed, least at any time that should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You know, the word gross, I looked it up is used uh, two other times in the Bible, the word gross. It's used in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 2, and again in Jeremiah uh, chapter 13 and verse 16. In both usages of this word gross, it's in relation to darkness, gross darkness. Darkness. These men had terminal spiritual heart disease. Instead of light dwelling inside, there was darkness. Uh, The term waxed gross uh, means to grow calloused or thick or dark. Uh, Psalms 119 verse 69 says the proud have forged a lie against me but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart their heart is as fat as grease but I delight in thy law see the condition of this heart is that it has grown insensitive to the word of God and can no longer respond to its truths or be moved by its admonitions and warnings and Jesus has had given these men plenty of admonition and plenty of warning. But they were insensitive to that. And Zechariah Chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. Zechariah, chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. This is what the prophet wrote. He says, uh, But they refused to hearken, and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, a very hard, flinty stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Uh, A spiritual arteriosclerosis sets in. I probably butchered that word. In other words, a hardening of the heart took place uh, due to unbelief and and prideful pig-headedness that rebels and rejects the truth even even when it is clearly presented before them, uh, look again at Zechariah chapter seven, verses 11 through 12. The first thing that uh, Zechariah says is that they refused to hearken. They refused to hearken. They refused to listen to what Jesus was saying to them. In John 8:43 he said, "Jesus says, "Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word." He goes on in John 8, 47, he says, He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye hear them not, because ye are not of God. That's Jesus' own words in regards to these Pharisees. That's his own call, right? Jesus' words were plain. Uh, They were words of truth. But Jesus was teaching a truth they did not want to hear. They did not like. Uh, When Jesus spoke parables that targeted these men, he wasn't doing it to be mean-spirited, but he was trying to warn these men and expose them to their Uh, condition, uh, that it was damnable, right? It was their condition that was damnable. And unless they repented, they would perish. That was the purpose behind these parables. But instead of repenting, right, instead of hearkening, what happened? They became more hardened and more hateful. The other thing that Zechariah says is they pulled away the shoulder, pulled away the shoulder Proverbs one twenty four says because I have called and ye refused I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded uh, to pull away the shoulder that's clear body language. That th- that that person wants nothing to do with you. Uh, they don't want to hear what you want to say. Uh, they're they're expressing through the through the body langu- language. Hey, I am done with you. Uh, get away from me. Uh, that's essentially the the attitude of the Pharisees. Uh, this was displayed when uh, Jesus was brought before Pilate in uh, John 19:15, It says, but they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Uh, Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? Uh, the chief priest answered, that's the leadership. Okay, we have no king but Caesar. What did the leadership just do? They pulled away the shoulder. They turned their back on Jesus is what they did. You know, there's not much one can do uh, when a person chooses uh, to turn their back on you. I remember trying to talk to someone who um, was in a rebellious attitude, uh, trying to reason with them. And that's exactly what they did. When I reached out to them, they pulled away from me uh, they didn't want anything to do with me they didn't want anything to do with what i had to say they didn't want anything to do with trying to reconcile the situation there's not much you can do when somebody is in this uh, uh, frame of mind or in this attitude of heart the third thing that zachariah says here is that they stopped their ears they stop their ears. <laughs> I remember uh, seeing uh, an illustration of this in real life. Uh, one time we were in a, I think it was a shopping mall somewhere. I don't remember what it was. It was a place where uh, it was at Walmart. That's where it was. And I remember observing a, a young mother uh, attempting to reason uh, with her, and I'm going to say it, her little brat of a boy. And that little darling, while his mother was trying to talk to him, uh, stood there literally with his fingers in his ears, his eyes t- tightly shut and his tongue at full extension from his mouth. Uh, that little boy had stopped his ears uh, from hearing what his mother uh, was saying to him um, the only other time that you read this phrase uh, stopped their ears is in uh, uh, is with the Pharisees is with the Pharisees in acts chapter in Acts chapter seven uh, when Stephen was uh, preaching his sermon to the Pharisees. And they heard enough of what Stephen had to say, uh, they stopped their ears. In Acts chapter 7, and and starting in verse 54, it says here in uh, verse 54 of Acts 7, speaking of the Pharisees, when they heard these things, they were cut to the hearts, right? So it convicted them, and they gnashed on him with their teeth, Wow. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And this is their the Pharisees' reaction. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. That's the only other time you're going to read that phrase, stopping the ears. Um, The Pharisees didn't like to hear what Jesus said. The Pharisees didn't like to hear what Stephen said. Uh, The Pharisees didn't like to hear what Paul had to say or Peter had to say. They were stopping their ears. And then Zechariah concludes uh, verse 12 uh, with the consequence of this choice uh, to become uh, hardened in your heart towards God's word. Uh, Zechariah finishes verse 12 with this. Therefore... Came a great wrath from the Lord of Hosts. Therefore, came a great wrath from the Lord of Hosts. It must be remembered, and sometimes we have a difficult time because you know we're, we're living in the church age and it's all about uh, individual salvation and stuff. But it must be remembered that God deals with Israel as a nation, and the reason why He deals with Israel as a nation is because of his covenant relationship with Abraham and Abraham's seed and his promise that he made with David about the throne and the kingdom. Uh, for the children of Israel, it's all about the promised land and the covenant promises given to Abraham and it's all about the kingdom. This is a national matter, not individual, but a national matter. Uh, Even though individual Jews would come to believe on Christ for salvation, even some of the Pharisees would come to believe on Jesus for salvation, yet in the matter of the kingdom and in the matter of the covenant blessings, uh, the nation itself, the nation must believe. The leadership must believe and the people must believe. The leadership that represents that nation must believe. This has always been the way that God has dealt with his chosen people, the Jews. It has always been on the level of a nation that God has either blessed them or cursed them. And also, if you know the Old Testament, uh, the blame always falls on the shoulders of the leadership. It always falls on the leadership. Uh, Whether the leadership, if the leadership responds to God, then the nation is blessed. If the Leadership does not respond to God, then the nation is cursed. That's why Israel and the ten tribes were sent into the into the uh, into uh, captivity with the Assyrians because the leadership led the way in their idolatry. The same thing is true with in, in, with uh, the nation uh, with Judah. Because uh, the leadership uh, rejected God, so therefore the Babylonians came and led them away. Uh, The leadership, it always, it it falls, it rises and falls on the shoulders of the leadership. Uh, The leadership sought after the benefits of the kingdom for themselves, uh, but proved unwilling, right, to receive the king when he came and was in their And this is what is meant by his words when he said that the kingdom of God is within you, not within the hearts of these men in a spiritual sense, uh, for these wicked men did not have God's kingdom ruling in their hearts, but rather the kingdom of their father, the devil. Uh, that's who ruled the hearts of these men uh, John chapter 8 check it out sometime uh, Jesus uh, said to these men uh, when, they cl- uh, when they claimed he did what he did uh, being in cahoots with, with Beelzebub uh, back there in Matthew 12 28 he, this is what Jesus said to them he says if I cast out devils by the spirit of God then the kingdom of God is come on to you Right? they're looking for things to observe They're looking for signs. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I'm providing you with those things uh, that you are to observe. Uh, The the Pharisees were the leaders of Israel. uh, And within them, in their very midst, was the king and... The potential of the kingdom it had come unto them, but their hearts were hardened against this reality. Uh, later, Jesus uh, will preach a parable uh, that would summarize the attitude of the relig- of the uh, leadership against him in uh, luke 19:12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said, uh, he said unto them, Occupy till I come. But notice what it says in verse 14 in Luke 19. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. That was the attitude of the Jewish leadership at that time they did not want Jesus to reign over them. In Matthew uh, Jesus spoke another parable along this uh, same theme as far as the Jews animosity towards him and I'm talking about the religious leadership remember it was the religious leadership that turned the populace against Jesus when they cried out for his crucifixion in Matthew 21 verse 37 uh, it says but last of all he sent out them his son saying they will reverence." My son, but when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance and they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. That's very similar to what they did with Jesus. They caught him in the in, in the in the garden, and they took him without the, the walls of Jerusalem, and they crucified him. That's their attitude toward Jesus. Uh, finally, on that faithful day, Uh, driven by their hatred for Jesus. Uh, When Pilate, after he he had Jesus uh, whipped, uh, he says to the Jews, he says, Behold your king. In John's Gospel, uh, he records the response of the Jewish leadership, uh, as well as the populace who was goaded by the Jewish leadership. In John 19.15, it says, And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Uh, Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? This is what they said. "Uh, We have no king but Caesar. That was their attitude. Uh, There would be no kingdom on earth for the Jews until they were willing to receive the king within their hearts and they were unwilling to do this uh, for three years uh, Jesus had been confirming by signs and wonders uh, that he was the promised king uh, the one that the prophets had spoken about the one that John the Baptist uh, was the uh, forerunner for uh, for three years uh, Jesus had walked up and down among the Jews throughout the land uh, preaching the kingdom uh, healing folks, um, feeding 5,000, 4,000, doing all of these miraculous signs Uh, for three years. uh, He had been doing like the gardener was doing in the parable. He had been digging about and fertilizing the roots of this fig tree uh, in order to produce the fruit of faith to no avail, to no avail. Uh, This was what uh, these things that Jesus was doing, uh, these things that Jesus was saying, uh, these were the things that these men uh, should have been observing uh, for within their midst uh, was the one that they were looking for, was the one that they, the prophets had promised. He was among them and yet they didn't receive him. Uh, that's what John says in John chapter 1 verses 10 through 11. It says that he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And In verse 11 it says he came unto his own, his own people and his own received him not. Received him not. Uh, that was the attitude of the le- of the leadership. And this attitude of the leadership Uh, would not change. And in time, the judgment that uh, the prophet Zechariah spoke about uh, in regards to those who would not hearken, who pulled the shoulder away, whose heart became uh, like an adamant stone, well, the consequences of that hardened heart would fall upon the nation in seventy a d uh, when Rome would come and uh, besiege the city of Jerusalem and take it, uh, and subsequently the temple would be destroyed, and Rome would disperse its people and so the the rule of these men would come to an end uh, that would come to an end. Uh, the kingdom that these Pharisees had demanded of Jesus uh, would be put on hold. Uh, for what was uh, provided to them uh, to observe, uh, these men turned a blind eye to. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 22 to 23, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Uh, Sadly for these men who demanded of Jesus uh, to see the kingdom of God, uh, they would never see it. Uh, Why? Because their hearts had waxed gross. Their hearts was full of darkness. They couldn't see the light that Jesus Christ was. They couldn't see the light that Jesus Christ was. In Matthew 21, uh, verse 42 through 43, uh, this was the pronouncement. Of judgment by Jesus himself upon these men. It says here in Matthew twenty one, forty two, uh, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof Uh, the nation that Jesus spoke about is that very same nation that will be brought through the great tribulation and at the end of the great tribulation uh, they, will, they will look unto Jesus as their deliverer and as their savior and in that day all of Israel shall be saved so that's, uh, so that's the teaching as far as Luke 17 now um, I want to Bring about a, a little bit of a practical application to all of this as well, and uh, I hope I'm not misunderstood in in my in uh, in this practical application. But I want to talk about uh, a hardened heart. Um, I, I, I do. So, I, what can we take uh, from this uh, as a personal application, a, a learning in regards uh, to these men concerning them? These men. Uh, is it possible? Uh, For a person, for people who know Jesus as their Savior, uh, to become hard or calloused or perhaps even blind to the truth, uh, yeah, I I think it can occur. I I have seen some good people uh, become hard. People who are saved, uh, people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, but uh, they get themselves in a, in a not so good place, and uh, they get themselves in a place where their relationship with God and with their relationship with God's people is is not good, and when. A person gets themselves in such a place I believe that uh, a kind of uh, hardening can take can can set in and perhaps a better word uh, one can become jaded if you will towards God and towards the things of God so um, I want to give just a few things uh, some just some personal observations uh, that I've noticed um, and I hope that you find beneficial. Uh, the first thing is this. Um, a hardened heart might want something from God, uh, but does not necessarily want to hear what God is saying to them. Okay, a hardened heart might want something from God, uh, but does not necessarily want to hear what God is saying to them. Uh, as an example, uh, they want God to fix their marriage, right? That's something. They want something from God. They want God to fix their marriage, but they're unwilling uh, to hear and do what God says to them to fix it. They want God to fix it, but they don't want to listen to what God has to say about it. Uh, they want God to uh, deliver them uh, from um, a, fin- a financial crisis. Uh, but they don't uh, they're not willing to take the steps uh, outlined by God's word uh, to help them in the managing of their money to get them out of that crisis. You know, they want something from God. Uh, but uh, they don't want to hear from God. Uh, There are some who want to have a renewed mind, but they're not willing to put in a study. Uh, There are some who want victory over their sin, uh, but they're not willing to submit their members to righteousness. You've got some who want to live like Christ, but they're not willing to die to self. You've got some who desire to have the power of the Spirit in their life, But yet they continue to grieve and quench the spirit in their life, and all of this is a pattern of wanting something from God, uh, but not willing to obey. To obey what uh, is required. Uh, If you persist in this, uh, what happens is that the heart uh, becomes hard or becomes jaded because they're not getting what they want, right? Uh, They don't get what they want Uh, Therefore, they become jaded. They become hard toward God. So a hardened heart might want something from God, but does not want to hear what God is saying to them. Uh, Something else that I've noticed is that a jaded heart or a hardened heart uh, will not uh, recognize it uh, when God is working in their life. Or if they do, uh, they refuse to acknowledge this. Uh, For some, uh, this may be a a relief in their circumstances. Uh, God has uh, delivered them from some situation. But they refuse to acknowledge this, they refuse to accept this, and in spite of what others are pointing out to them, in spite of the evidence to them themselves that God has, has brought about this, this relief or this deliverance, uh, they refuse to acknowledge that God is, is working in their life. They just they just refuse it. Uh, for others, uh, this may be uh, a conviction about some sin that they need to deal with. Uh, their conscience is pricked. Uh, God is sending them uh, testimony after testimony, either by uh, Bible verses or sermons or maybe a hymn they're singing. Uh, in other words, God is is trying to speak to them. God is trying to work in their life. Uh, trying to God is trying to bring you know bring this this. Uh, Bit in their life to get them to deal with this this situation, but they resist and they ignore uh, these these warnings, these workings of God in their life. They choose to ignore them. Uh, they they don't want to listen. They don't want to they don't want to recognize that uh, God's trying to trying to tell them. Uh, for others, um, they may be experiencing uh, the loving chastisement of God, uh, but instead of responding to this discipline uh, they become angry they get angry they get resentful they they don't like it and so they become uh hard they become hard toward it uh, proverbs 3:11 and 12 says my son despise not the chastening of the lord uh, neither be weary of his a correction for whom the Lord loveth he correcteth even as the father of the Son in whom He delighteth. Uh, we had a friend years ago uh, who was not living for the Lord. Uh, he even admitted that he was not living for the Lord, and uh, God was calling him, God was working on him, God was even bringing about situations in his life to try to get him to to uh, repent, try to get him to come back, and instead of responding, he just became. Uh, more and more obstinate more and more stubborn uh, became more and more hardened uh, toward these things and it didn't turn out well for this man unfortunately i loved him to pieces but it it just didn't turn out well for this man uh he just refused uh, to recognize uh god working in his life in in this way he just he just refused uh to to recognize it A third thing that I've seen is that a hardened heart will often blame the messenger (laughs) instead of recognizing and and dealing with their condition, Uh, right? A hardened heart will often blame the messenger instead of recognizing and dealing with their condition. This was the tact that the Pharisees had taken. Uh, instead of hearkening to the words of Jesus and his apostles, uh, what did they do? They stopped their ears. Uh, they killed the messengers. Uh, they, they blamed the messengers. Uh, they, uh, instead of uh, recognizing uh, that it was a message from God to them. Uh, some whose hearts are are on the road to being being hardened uh, i 've seen uh, will do will do the same thing uh, they 'll be quick to accuse the pastor it 's all the pastor 's fault uh, it 's the pastor it 's what he said it, it's all it 's all the pastor 's fault or they might accuse a, a bible. Teacher or a Bible preacher, you know, they're the ones that are at fault, not me. Uh, it may be a Christian friend or, or a family member that tries to to uh, talk to them. It's 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 the family friend, it's the it's the Christian friend um, that they're the ones that have the problem. And these folks they don't they don't uh, they don't deal with their issues because they're always quick to to blame the messenger, blame the messenger. I remember. Uh, confronting a person I didn't want to do this but I felt I had to because, you know, there was a, com- a compulsion in me to, to, to talk to this man because I saw where he was going and I saw what was happening uh, to his family. And so I confronted this person about their their infidelity, about their marriage. And I, I went to this person, believe me, I went to this person with, with fear and trembling in my heart. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I cared for him and I, I cared for his family and i cared for what he was doing to his family and everything well long story short when i when i talked to him uh, i was the bad guy uh, for bringing it up uh, I was the one, you know, that uh, was in the wrong for for talking to him about his uh, infidelity and and what it was going to do to his children and what it was going to do to his reputation. I was the bad guy, and unfortunately, this this man uh, went about and uh, proceeded to uh, attempt to ruin my reputation among uh, the the folks that we knew. Uh, you know, he, he went on this little campaign of of uh, about me uh, to try to to ruin uh, ruin my uh, reputation, and I think he was doing this to try to protect his own well it didn't it didn't turn out well for this guy he He lost his family and uh he you know he, he lost his own reputation and uh the man can never afterwards look me in the eye uh you know it's often easier easier to blame uh than to reform and so a hardened heart uh, will often blame the messenger uh, instead of recognizing and and dealing with you know with their condition. And then finally, uh, 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 I'll leave you with this last one. Uh, A hardened heart will ultimately be broken and uh, often beyond healing. That's really the sad part. A hardened heart will ultimately be broken and often uh, beyond healing. Uh, By the time a hard heart is broken, uh, a lot of times it's it's often too late it's often too late uh proverbs 29 1 says uh, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy uh, i've seen this um, uh, too many times that i that i care to mention uh, you try to go to someone you try to speak to that person you try to uh, get them to to understand uh, the danger they're in uh and they refuse to listen and uh They get to the place where uh, the very thing, the very thing that uh, they were warned about, the very thing that they were trying to be uh, counseled over uh, comes crashing down. Comes crashing down in, into ruin, into ruin. Uh, heart and heart will ultimately be broken, um, and often beyond healing. Uh, you know, God is, is long-suffering; uh, He's not willing that any should perish. And getting back to these, to these Jews, getting back to the leadership of Israel, uh, you know, for approximately uh, 40 years uh, after the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, uh, God was long-suffering with the Jews, uh, but God is also a God of righteousness. He's He's a God of judgment, and just as Zechariah 7:12 pointed points out, if you, if you Harden your heart, if you turn away the shoulder, if you don't listen if you if you put your fingers in your ears and close your eyes real tight and you stick your tongue out at god uh, then uh, then there will come great wrath uh, from the Lord of hosts uh, Jesus uh would not uh deliver what they demanded uh, because uh, they were hardened uh, to who he was uh, before them uh, in their very midst Uh, they were hardened to who he was Uh, what they demanded from Jesus they would never see for themselves uh, because they chose to be blind to the one who stood before them, uh, so uh, be careful folks and i 'm not saying that any of you guys are are along that path, uh, per, but perhaps you know someone who who is in the, in that path. Uh, yes, speak to them, yes, try to appeal to them, yes, try to plead with them uh, but but be careful, be wary, be wary of the of the hardened heart uh, none of us, none of us are immune to it. Uh, uh, it, it can happen it can happen to the best of us i 've seen it happen i 've seen it happen to some good men and some good women so uh, beware beware of the hardened heart and so that 's my lesson for today uh, uh, thank you everyone uh, i 'll be so happy uh, to be back with everyone face to face and uh, to hear what you have to say and and all that. I do hope that you found this a blessing and i 'm going to close in prayer and go ahead and, and, and uh, turn this thing off now you <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your long suffering, and thank you, Lord God, for your grace. You know, we look at these men, and we study these men's lives, and we just kind of scratch our head, and we just stand there and wonder. But such is the heart of man. It's it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Father in heaven, uh, what an important thing it is, uh, uh, the matter of choice, uh, the matter of choice that you've given us, that free will. Uh, that free will can, can be a blessing. That free will can be something uh, that can be uh, glorious uh, to your honor but at the same time that frill that that free will of ours can be uh, condemning and even damning i pray father in heaven that we would learn to submit our will to you uh, father believing in you trusting in you and looking to you our hope and glory we thank you father in jesus christ's name amen all right everyone have a good have a good easter make sure you uh uh, tune in to, to Brian later on about 10, about 1030. I do believe they have sent out the, uh, the little links. So please take advantage of that. Okay. All right. Happy Easter, everybody. Oh, I have one little thing. Let me, let me close with this a uh, little bit of wisdom. <laughs> do you know what you call a rabbit who has chosen for its career to be an anesthesiologist? It's an ether bunny. It's an ether bunny. So I'll I'll leave you with that. And we're out. Well, I'm assuming